Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Joining me on the line right now is Mark Von Schellwitz, who is a VP of Restaurants Canada. Mark, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Good to be here, John. Listen, Mark, uh, yeah, I wish it was under different circumstances, but uh, you guys, I guess, compiled the numbers. Uh, did it take you aback when you sort of canvassed your mo- your members to see uh, what predicament they were in, and uh, this 50% or half don't expect to survive without some government relief, especially rent. Uh, 75% are very worried uh, that they're not going to make it. That doesn't look good yeah. for the future, the very near future. Yeah, and of course, this is the second, uh, um, second survey that we've done on this, and the first one was quite alarming with the number of job, temporary job losses and the number of businesses that are already permanently closing and and those that uh, would have to close pretty quickly. And, of course, what we learned from our latest survey is nearly all food service businesses are concerned about their growing debt levels in the COVID-19 crisis that we're in. And, of course, that could lead to widespread restaurant closures. In fact, half of our independent restaurant surveys do not expect to survive the next three months without some kind of rent relief. And, you know, over the last month, we've heard just so many stories from these small independent restaurateurs that literally on a daily basis are struggling with making that decision whether or not to permanently close or not because, uh, you know, they're struggling with all these debt that they're getting into. And the biggest one is rent, you know, where 76% said that is the biggest uh, sort of debt that they've got right now. As we go now towards May, you know, uh, again, there's another rent period that goes ahead that uh, they just don't have the money to pay for. And it's uh, it's very, very stressful on them, obviously. Uh, so it was really good news that we heard the Prime Minister announce uh, the emergency rent assistance program. And, and we certainly appreciate that and, and the work that's going on with the provinces to work out the details of this much-needed and much-anticipated program. So, um, And then, of course, what we've done as well is we've given governments... Uh, both federally and provincially, sort of what we think are the three main things that have to be included in that program. All right, well, help us out here. What are those three main things? Yeah, so the first and foremost one, as uh, a couple of provinces in Atlantic Canada have done, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, uh, we're asking for an immediate moratorium on evictions and lockouts for commercial tenants, because that will certainly relieve that, relieve that short-term pressure that we have right now as longer-term solutions are developed. And the second point is to have a rent assistance program that's in line with the percentage of decreased revenue. So as you know, we have some restaurants that are closed altogether. So for them, they need sort of 100% relief. We have some people that are doing maybe 20% of the normal volume, so 80% and that uh, type of thing. So um, because what we're hearing, I think, every day is, you know, we recognize and we certainly appreciate all the deferrals and loans uh, that are being offered to us in the short term. But in the long term, this is just going to contribute to more permanent closures as this insurmountable debt can, continues to mount. And the number one thing that can be done to alleviate that pressure is on rent relief. And the third point that we've made to governments is that uh, 
Uh, you know, we have to have rent uh, measures that uh, continue while the economy is still in the recovery phase because we're not even close to seeing the end of the tunnel on this. And even as restaurants reopen, it's going to take them several months to get to uh, the same sort of revenue levels that they had pre-COVID-19. And they're going to need uh, some help until they get back to those uh, levels. So, uh, so this isn't just for the short term. This actually has to be longer term as we slowly but surely work our way out of the, the COVID-19 situation. Yeah, that could extend quite a period out, uh, given that, let's say, a restaurant has 200 seats pre-COVID-19, and now with social distancing still being a part of the uh, opening up of the economy and society, let's just say there's uh, it's cut by two-thirds, so you've got, you know, 65 seats. Uh, That may not make it work for the business model. A lot of these places, uh, are they just, you know basically shoveling sand against the tide if they've got assistance? Maybe should there be a litmus test of whether a company or a restaurant would be viable? Exactly. And what we're saying there is that maybe these rent relief measures should be um, tied to uh, a fixed percentage of pre-COVID-19 revenue. So in other words, once your business has improved uh, well enough where you've got 70-75% of the revenue you had pre-COVID, that, well, then we can sort of deal with that. But in the meantime, until we get up to those revenue levels, uh, that relief should still be in place. Yeah, you know, the number that really stuck uh, with me was 100,000 of these establishments across Canada, and if 50% are expected not to make it, uh, 50,000 plus, uh, that puts a lot of people right now, 800,000 people are unemployed in the restaurant business uh, out of 1.2 million it's not something that the, the economy can sustain. We've got to get people. This is what percentage of the overall economy, by the way, is restaurants and or hospitality? Well, we're uh, the fourth largest uh, employer nationally. And I think in Ontario, we're, we're the third largest private sector employer. So there's a huge number of jobs involved here. And as you rightly point out, each one of these locations that can't reopen uh, there's, you know, several employees that uh, can't come back. So, uh, you know, if we don't solve this and if we don't have these restaurants surviving, uh, these hundreds of thousands of restaurant employees won't have jobs to come back to. So we think it's in the government's best interest as well to ensure that uh, our industry survives and these small businesses survive uh, so that we can quickly reintegrate all these employees back into the economy. Uh, you know, and if they do all fail... Uh, the result is going to be really a systemic unemployment issue uh, because of the multitude of uh, hundreds of thousands of people that we employ. How do you feel about the response so far? I know you've given us uh, some of the uh, things that are being put on offer, but uh, is it immediate enough? Where some of these people right now, as I see on their faces, they're twisting in the wind. Uh, They needed the help yesterday. Is it too slow in coming? Yeah, and certainly that is the biggest frustration. So I think uh, the federal government threw us a lifeline with this uh, Canada uh, Commercial Rent Assistance Program because without that announcement, I don't even think many of them would have the confidence to try and stick it out a little bit longer. So, But certainly, you know, we're getting close now to May 1st, and and that's the second big rent. And these are not small rents. These are huge, you know, tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the size of the establishment. These are big, big things. So we are certainly hoping uh, that within the next week or so that we can see some details and that that relief can happen really, really quickly uh, before certainly May 1st. We'd love to see that in place. And without it, I think it's just going to 
uh, trigger a lot more permanent closures, which is really unfortunate. And, and you got to remember, a lot of these small businesses, they put their life savings into this. And, and, you know, as something that is completely not within their control, they could end up losing their entire livelihood in their business. And, and uh, you know, so it's just been really heartbreaking hearing a lot of those stories and the struggles that they've had right now. Yeah, and if they close up shop, that means vacancies on Main Street, in malls and what have you, uh, which doesn't augur well right across the economy, but the landlords as well. Are you finding that they're uh, simpatico, the landlords are playing ball with these uh, people who've got the leases and such in restaurants? Some, yes. Some to a lesser degree, some no. So it's a, a real mixed bag out there. And uh, to your point, I think it's very much in the landlord's best interest to come up with some sort of arrangement and, and help abate some of that rent and, and take some of the cost themselves as well. And certainly we're looking for government, the landlords, and banks, and restaurants all to share in some sort of rent relief program uh, that we can then spread out the rents much into the future so that we can actually afford to pay them back. Because you have to remember, we're an extremely competitive, low-margin industry at the best of times. So, uh, you know, and in a landlord situation, given the certain the, the current situation with COVID-19, if they do evict these, these tenants, uh, I think they'll really struggle finding new tenants to take those spaces. Again, with Mark Von Schowitz, the VP of Restaurants Canada, talking about the beleaguered restaurant industry and whether or not there's adequate help and what form it should take, uh, because the numbers are rather grisly that 50% of these uh, operators would see themselves out of business within a matter of weeks if there's no help coming uh, on the horizon and... Uh, there's been talk of help, but it may not be adequate. The other uh, model would be that the government backstops the banks who in turn look after the landlord and the landlord would pass that on. Uh, so the landlord, too, who may be a, a small businessman or whatever, uh, is also somebody who should be recognized as perhaps being in a bit of predicament here. Do you think the best model it would be... Uh, the loan, because there are some loans extended, but they should be turned into grants if the business proves to be viable. Does that, or uh, forgivable loans in general, or, you know, rent forgiveness, what yeah. model would be best? Yeah, certainly, you know, I think governments have a role to play in this, um, and uh, so we appreciate them stepping forward. But uh, to take some of that cost off, if the, if the federal government or the federal and provincial governments could, say, pay for half of these rent referrals, and then the other 25%, uh, you know, we could maybe work with landlords on, on extending their leases or back-end loading some of these deferred uh, lease costs. And the landlords themselves, you know, they should also uh, be considering, well, it's better to have one bird in your hand rather than two in the bush as far as uh, getting some sort of rent relief. And, and we're just asking everybody to, to share in the cost of this uh, so that we can work out a long-term solution that... Uh, is a win-win for everybody in the sense that we stay in business, the landlords are still getting some rent uh, without doing any evictions, and the government, of course, uh, it's in their very much self-interest as well to ensure that not only restaurateurs, but also the landlords survive and uh, until we can get through this and, and get back to some sort of a normal economy again. Yeah, uh, collectively, it's an industry that seems like it's too big to fail or can't because it's uh, got so many components to it. Uh, but I've got to ask, when this thing is all over, or if we come back to a sense of normalcy, do you anticipate there will be almost a sea change in the industry itself? Can we ever get back to a reset pre-COVID? Are there going to be, I mean, some restaurants in anticipation are also reconfiguring their whole layout. Uh, do you foresee any of that going forward? 
Yeah, certainly as we prepare for the whole reopening, we've talked to lots of, and we're working on a proposal ourselves for the governments as far as what that should look like, as far as the rules and everything. And they're certainly working on new floor plans that uh, will be a fraction of their normal seating, but to make sure that we're complying with those social distancing rules, tables that are at least a, you know, two, uh, a meter or two apart, uh, those types of things. So we're in the process of that as well. But I think the other thing that will change permanently once we're through this is as a lot of uh, these restaurateurs that were purely on-premise have had to make the switch to takeout and delivery, that I think that takeout and delivery will continue for quite some time uh, to be a more important part of uh, their overall business uh, and their and their revenue. So uh, I think we can anticipate those kind of changes, but the obvious thing is obviously hopefully we can get some sort of a vaccine and we can return to a normal economy really quickly because the longer this goes on, obviously, the more casualties there's going to be. Yeah. Uh, and finally, I'll ask on that premise that, you know, uh, we may still have to, in the restaurant business anyway, rely uh, for a large component of the income on deliveries. Some of these delivery services, Skip the Dishes, uh, Uber Eats and whatever, I'm taking a pretty sizable chunk, and for a business that works on rather thin margins, it's almost untenable to uh, allow them, unless you've got your own proprietary delivery service using these. Do you think there ought to be some kind of government mandate to tell them to back off, just as, you know, they implored the banks to cut interest rates, and some did, almost in half, on uh, credit cards, that is. Do you think they ought to do so with delivery services? Yeah, so on that particular issue is, you know, before COVID-19, we did use some third-party delivery service for some incremental revenue on top of your on-premise sales. But now, uh, so they weren't as concerned about trying to make some money off of those sales. Those were incremental sales. But now we're in a whole different world where the only income they're getting is from takeout delivery. And, uh, yeah, there is some frustration from from some members saying, uh, at the fees that they're charging right now, I I'm basically working for the third-party delivery company. There's nothing left over for me. So as there's more competition with third-party delivery companies, hopefully there's going to be more competition, which will drive down the prices. And they are playing a role as well to help promote uh, takeout sales with you know their advertising budgets and that type of thing. But uh, um, overall, I think we're having an increasing number of members that are calling for uh, what, for example, San Francisco did, which was capping the fees at 15%. So if the market and the competition doesn't drive down the prices, uh, I certainly am seeing an increasing number of members that are calling on us to task for that type of uh, a cap. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 